Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. And the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still and know that he is God.
As we get started on YouTube and the church Facebook page, welcome in. Thank you so much. I was just sharing with those on uh, my personal Facebook account as well. What this map is behind me, as I was asked about it, this is uh, several years ago, we were provided maps of uh, those within a 30-minute driving distance from our local church. And this is uh, mapped out where we pray for those towns, for the residents there, for those that move in, for those that uh, are needing hope and help, and the fact that Jesus might touch them uh, through Living Hope Wesleyan Church in their time of need, whether the hygiene pantry, whether it's through benevolence or gifts, or simply through um, attending our church and uh, learning about us that way. And so we just thank you again for tuning in and being a part of uh, Living Hope Wesleyan Church. I'm going to talk about it more um, later, but I did have the privilege, awkward, humbling privilege of officiating my cousin's funeral yesterday, and I was so blessed, encouraged, and again, humbled by the fact that I would be uh, asked and invited to um, share in the memorial service of Christopher Sean Wells, 31 years old, died unexpectedly. Uh, he battled depression and addiction and um and it was interesting for me as for several years uh he had done so and my daughter is leaving for work so jay i love you have a great day at work and uh we pray for her go for pk coffee and stow following church but as i was sharing my um cousin uh, gave into that battle but what was so depressing discouraging difficult for me as um, i officiated his sister's memorial service about four years ago and i was just hoping that that message of hope of jesus of strength of forgiveness of being the savior uh, would or could have set him free and god is faithful but i often wonder what more could i have done what more could we of the church have done and there's always more that we could do, but I think, as I was reminded actually during our small group, our life group uh, Wednesdays, the way of the dragon or the way of the lamb, the intercessory prayer, that we need to pray for people to hear God's voice because he's present and he is with them, but they would boldly accept and receive him. And so um, it's been an interesting week preparing for that memorial service yesterday and uh, for the sermon today, but um, just, I guess, pulling me on the curtain, letting you in on what's um, taking place uh, this week. But we are family. We are the family of God, and we certainly love one another. So uh, let's be that for each other. Jesus, we thank you that you are with us, and we do pray for our loved ones that are battling, struggling, whether it's addiction, whether it's depression, whether it's illness, or whether it's just the thought of, are you there? Does this make sense? How can I trust you? Jesus, we just pray that we would have open eyes and an open heart to receive your love. We thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. I am reminded that I would ask that you pray for my parents. They both have COVID. Now, they have it very mildly, which is difficult for them because now they can't go out, even though they feel well enough to get out and go out. I actually told some people in our church where we are blocking the school doors this morning, 9 o'clock, across at Brook Middle School for our in-person. They have to be bouncers, even though you feel good out of consideration for others that I weren't able to get the vaccine or may get sick. Uh, just stay 
home for that uh, five days or 10 days or 14 days, whatever it is, it's always changed, but just be considerate of others. But my poor parents are walking, as some of you are aware, the driveway next to the church um, is their driveway, and they're walking out to get the mail. And they're almost treated like lepers. Uh, we could talk to them, but from a distance. We didn't want to get too close, even though they were feeling well. And so saying, unclean, unclean, I did not make them say that. But um, I just know, especially for my mom and dad, it's hard when you feel well, but you still have to be isolated. And um, gives great empathy for so many that have felt the same. But let's continue this morning, and uh, we are meeting in person, 9 o'clock at Crossbrook Middle School, and thank you so much for uh, joining us there, and those that can, just being a part there, and we just want to um, look and see that we are on YouTube, there is a YouTube channel, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, you can find us there, also the church Facebook page is the same as our Twitter account, at Hope for Vermont Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, same as our Instagram account, at Living Hope Wesleyan. And here's a little uh, icon picture if you're looking for the podcast. It's Living Hope Wesleyan on Instagram, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes as well. And as we continue this morning, Kids Packs will be available next week, next week at our in-person service, 9 o'clock at Crossbrook Brook Middle School. Uh, hopefully you can attend and become part. And as people are um, uh, fighting through uh, mud season and uh, getting accustomed to returning to a church building, a facility we gather as the church body, we invite you to do so. And uh, we're developing and working on and strategizing for uh, our family ministry. And if you'd like to become part of that, we'd love to have you, as well as the music ministry. If you can play the piano, if you can sing, we'd love to include you as we look to build that in-person live worship music experience as well. Uh, Connection cards will be available as we're trying to update um, our directory. And if you would like just to email me your mailing address, your phone number, email pastor at hopeforvermont.org, pastor at hopeforvermont.org. If you're watching today, you can type that in the comment section. I'd prefer you send a private message, um, but that is something that we want to connect with you and let you know that we love you, that we're praying for you and thinking of you, and here to help, here for you. As God is for us, we want to be for one another. The memory verse for this month is Genesis 3.19, and we read here, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That's the English Standard Version on the screen if you're watching on YouTube or the church Facebook page or Twitter as well. This is a reminder that without Jesus, we are simply dust. Without Jesus, we are a creation of God, but we do not have the abundant life that Jesus gave through his death. This is a reminder of Lent, Ash Wednesday, that we are mere mortals. But I will read from the New Living Translation. By the sweat of your brow, will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made? For you were made from dust, and to dust you shall return. So a sobering, somber verse But a great reminder as we build up the 40 days leading up to Easter, known as Lent, what we think of that Jesus has given us much more than life as breathing humans, but abundant life as his friends, his chosen ones, his children that will forever reign 
in heaven with him. So I uh, just encourage you to memorize that and be reminded that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as believers in the Bible, we have great hope that God does not create us just to leave us as mere mortals, but to give us abundant, abundant life. A couple of songs we're going to be singing uh, this morning. We're on the screen. Holy, holy, holy. What an amazing song and a tremendous reminder of who it is that we go to and we pray. Uh, with and for. Just a quick reminder, there is um, tithes and offerings you can give online, and we thank you so much for uh, giving those and continued to bless the church as the Bible commands us to do as followers of him, as Christians, to give your tithes and offerings. Um, thank you so much. Giving online, hopeforvermont.org, the Be Generous tab, or uh, mailing checks to the Chapel Campus, 5793-Waterbury-Stow Road, Waterbury Center, Vermont, 05677, or of course, giving in person at the um, chapel campus during life group or uh, 9 a.m. Sundays at Crescent Brook Middle School as well. Before we go to prayer, um, life group Wednesday, 7 p.m. here at the chapel or via Zoom, and that is um, the way of the dragon or the way of the lamb. That is also um, uh, one of the several uh, life groups that are offered. So if you'd like to get involved, it's a great way to build community and I encourage you uh, to do so as well. But let's pray. Uh, as I mentioned, the memorial service yesterday, Chris's mom, Wanda, uh, Sister Sierra, Sister uh, Nicole and Rhiannon and Brother Sean, we just want to lift them up in prayer. Um, I saw Heather Eros this past week, and she has two more treatments. Yeah, 12 months of uh, chemotherapy, so we just continue to pray for her. My sister-in-law, Jen, as they're looking to remove a large section of her liver uh, where the colon cancer spread, we just pray for her and my brother Jamie and his family, of course, and you that are dealing with um, struggles, whether emotional, mental, physical, whether it's with a job or a relationship, we just want to lift you up. And for Melissa Semperbon, not Melissa, Melissa Semperbon, we pray for you and we pray for God's encouragement and strength, his healing for those that are um, still dealing with loss. That is something we are reminded that we move forward. We don't move on, we move forward. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you love us and that you care for us and that you have a plan for our lives. And God, we are lost without you. We are desperate for you. And we just declare we do need you. And Jesus, for those that do not profess your name as Savior, we ask that they would receive you, that Christians would intersect and engage their lives to show the real you, that you would keep us accountable and help us to be um, people of character and of integrity, and that our lives would reflect you and you would give great hope and peace and your salvation and joy, even through desperate times. Father, for all of the needs represented, for all of the concerns and burdens we have, for the decisions that we need to make, we thank you that you are faithful and that you are good. We thank you that we can be still and at peace and abide and remain and rest in you, knowing that you have a plan for today. And we can trust your steps that you've laid out for us, that we can walk in obedience knowing that you will give us good. 
So, Father, we thank you that in this life we will have trouble, but in this life we will know that you are holding us in your arms. You are wiping away our tears. We can feel your embrace, and we can trust that you are Lord. So, Jesus, we choose to follow you. We dare say we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Let it be done. Amen. Amen. And we do declare, let it be done, as we continue to pray for Ukraine and Russia, as we continue to pray for the situations that are taking place in this world, we are blessed to know that there is a God, a creator, a savior that cares for us as much as he cares for anyone else. Our requests are not too big, not too small for him. He's not too busy taking care of other things, but God loves us and he cares for every minute detail of our lives, even the fact that I will actually clean and find the keys for the lights at the school. So we'll figure that out. But uh, thank you so much for just who you are and what you do and giving and being a part of uh, Living Hope Wesleyan Church. Um, last week I posed a question from Revelation 3, 15 and 16, and it said that you are neither hot nor cold, so you are lukewarm, so I'm going to spit you out of my mouth, this is God writing through John uh, to the church of Laodicea, and he says, I want you to be useful. Will you be useful? Are you being useful, or do you kind of take away from things? When God wants us to build building blocks and bridges and stack things together, are you being useful? Are we being fragmented and pulling away and taking away from what God wants to do and that took us to Luke 14 34 through 35 where we find these verses from the New Living Translation salt is good for seasoning but if it loses its flavor how do you make it salty again flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile it is thrown away anyone who with ears to hear should listen and understand that you are to be the salt of the earth. You are to be used of God. You are to be useful that God might use you to know him, that we might make him known to others, to know him, that we might make him known to others. Joy Doan, she's the best. She uh, posted this. Jesus taught to be the salt of the earth, but some of you are extra salty. <coughs> Excuse me, I guess that's that's good. But some of us know the difference between salty and being the salt of the earth. Let's be useful for God. In Luke 15, we find these words as we continue in Luke during this uh, season leading up to Easter. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now, let's pause right there. <coughs> tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Tax collectors had their own derogatory uh, segment. They had their own category. It was tax collectors and other notorious sinners. I don't know about you, but sometimes growing up in the church, we would say something, and then we say, and sinners, when it's all sinners, and God views all sin the same. There are different consequences, more severe consequences, for certain sins, but God in his eyes, sin is all the same. But for whatever reason, even back then, they judged. They looked at people differently and they said, tax collectors, 
Oh, and other notorious sinners. But make sure we say tax collectors. So whatever sin is your hobby horse that you shake your fist at, where you point a finger at, where you get on your soapbox, remember that your sin was just as big to God that took Jesus' death on the cross and ascension to heaven that, uh, that it did those that you shake your fist at. But tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. What if our church, where it's not about what I say, or it's not about what people say, but it's are we presenting Jesus? Can they find Jesus in our local church? Can they find Jesus in our conversation? Will people find Jesus? Will they know Jesus? Will they be exposed to Jesus? Can they experience Jesus when people spend time with us? And if so, then why are not more sinners, notorious sinners, coming to church, coming to us to spend time to hear what Jesus taught? Because we should be teaching only what Jesus taught. And right here it says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus. Do we make the message of Jesus so boring, so unengaging, so non-relevant that people say, ah, if that's what it is, I don't want it. Chip Ingram has a sermon series now on heaven. And he made me laugh because he said that if heaven is only singing, I might not want to go there. I might get bored with that. You might enjoy singing. Singing might be awesome, incredible, and live singing is terrific. And we want to get more live singing. And if you are blessed musically, if you, God's given you a voice with talent and a heart for Him, then let's sing. Let's put together this music team at Living Hope Wesleyan Church for our in-person gathering at 9 o'clock at Crossbrook Middle School. But it is more than singing. It is being able to know the empathy, the sacrifice, the love of Jesus, his hope, the joy that he has for us. That tax collectors and other notorious sinners would often come to listen to the message of Jesus. But this, well, this made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them, that Jesus would break bread. Jesus would sit down and he would listen to them, that he would engage in conversation, that Jesus would make time for the sinners. What a message for us as Christians, as believers, that we would make time for sinners. But in verse 2, as this is from the New International Version, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious law, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They muttered. Do we mutter? Do we sputter? Do we complain? Do we shake our head and say, what are you doing with your witness? Don't you know that's hurting your witness? Now, often is the illustration of going to a bar, and I'm just going to a bar to witness to my friends. I'm going to a bar because that's where Jesus would spend his time. Yes, that is where Jesus would spend his time, but Jesus would not be carousing. Is that the right word? I don't know. Jesus would go with an intense purpose, showing his love, that people would want to hear what he had to say, that he would teach them in that setting that used to be a place where there would be debauchery, but God would make it a place where they would hear the love and the truth of Jesus, that he could tell them, go and sin no more. Neither do I judge you. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are healed. This is how Jesus would live and this is what Jesus would say and sometimes we like the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law we mutter because we think 
well, don't you know you shouldn't say that at church? Or don't you know you should not do that as you walk into church? Don't you know this is a place we mutter, we sputter when we should be so excited that tax collectors and notorious sinners would even walk through the doors of a building to hear the message of Jesus. Don't you know? Don't you know? Well, welcomes. It simply means that they would receive, welcome, accept, wait for, and anticipate. Jesus welcomed in sinners, and it made the Pharisees and the religious leaders upset because Jesus wanted to receive and welcome and accept them. He wanted to wait for and anticipate. Now, there's a thought, there's a concept, there's a verse, not a verse, I'm sorry, that is a slip. There is this context that we can accept people, but we do not have to approve of their behavior. We can accept anybody into our lives knowing that God can use anyone to teach us more about him, about his love, about our character deficiency, or about the character he has replaced in us. We can accept anybody. We can receive anybody. We can welcome anybody. We can wait for and anticipate anyone without approving of their behavior, but we do not get on our white horse. We do not point fingers and shake our fist at. As Christians, God never told us to do that. He said simply love him, and as we love him, we serve others that others would see that Jesus welcomes people. And as Pharisees and religious leaders of the law muttered and sputtered and got upset, they would complain, who is this guy? This guy that people think is the Messiah, this chosen one. How can he spend time with them? Because they are going to defile him at worst, and he is being a hypocrite at best. And, well, what if we were more like Jesus? And you say, well, what a contradiction. But I think, what about, this is a seeming contradiction. It's a warning at best. What is God telling us? Well, I want to tell you what he's telling us. This is how to deal with conflict in the local church. This is what Christians need to do. This is how we are to treat non-Christians, unbelievers, religious uh, counterfeits. Matthew 18, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses, you have won that person back. So we are to confront those that profess to be followers of Jesus with great humility, speaking the truth in love and saying, it seems as though, based on Scripture and the Holy Spirit, that what you are doing, what you have said is incorrect, and I'm humbly approaching you just saying out of concern for your life, your reputation, your influence and impact on others, that it seems as though we can walk together to make this right. Will you walk with me? Can we journey together based on God's leading, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, Scripture, the Bible? We can make a difference, and if they choose to do so, you have won them back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses, that they can affirm and confirm that you're speaking the truth in love, that you do not have another agenda, that you are not blindsiding this person with what you are bringing to them, but out of love, out of concern for their spiritual well-being, you are speaking to them, that you take two or three witnesses and then if the person still refuses to listen, take 
care or take your case to the church, the elders of the church, the pastor, the leaders, then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I will say the poor tax collectors, they get it again. But how do you treat those as pagans? Well, let, let me stop right here and say, pay your taxes. There is evidence that we are supposed to pay our taxes, and that is in Matthew twenty-two twenty-one. So I know it's this time of year, but Matthew twenty-two twenty-one, they said it's Caesar's, and so he replied, "Well, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give God what is God's. Give." Caesar, what is Caesar's? Give God what is God's. So I'm not saying don't pay your taxes. I'm not saying that we are to do uh, those crazy things. I'm just saying that tax collectors, man, they got a bad rap. They were pointed out. They were part of the notorious sinners, but we can pay taxes. But Jesus said, treat that person as a pagan, as a tax collector, as an outsider. So what do you do with that? Well, you treat them with love. You welcome and accept them in. You might not approve of their behavior, but you do not shun them. You do not turn your back on them, but you greet them with love and empathy and pray and intercede and fast that they would respond to God's leading in their life. So we go back to Luke. Luke 15, verse 3. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. He will joyfully carry it home. Now, this passage of Scripture, this thought, this story is so familiar to us that sometimes we forget its meaning. 99 out of 100 is good. If you could get a return on your investment and only lose one in the stock market, you would say you're doing well. Like, take your 99 and run and be glad. But Jesus said, no, that one that is missing, that, that person that I thought, knew me that has walked away that person that i want in my fold i created that they would know my salvation i love them and they are deceived they are wrapped in sin i am going for them this next picture may get me in trouble but i believe it's important to share anyway i don't know if you can see it maybe you shouldn't see it but there's 99 sheep on one side of the road, and they say all sheep matter. Then there's another sheep over the hill, and the shepherd is going after that sheep. Am I making a political statement? Maybe. I'm saying everyone matters to God. Everyone matters to God. But he cares and seeks out the lost. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father was to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus came to save that which is lost. Those that are gathered together encourage one another. But as followers of Jesus, we are commanded to seek and save that which is lost, to joyfully carry it home. Do we go with empathy? Do we go with care? Not fighting for our own rights, but seeking out those that are lost, those that are addicted, those that are depressed, those that are discouraged, those that are wrapped up in sin, that we think it's only going to take a miracle to save them. Only prayer will help them. Well, as Christians, those that profess to be followers of Jesus, 
we declare we follow the miracle worker. We have the creator at our side lifting us up. We have the savior at our fingertips, at our lips, hips, lips, and fingertips. Jesus is available to come and save. And so let's joyfully carry the lost one home. We go on to read, when he arrives, the shepherd with the one that he found on his shoulders, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over the lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. We could often say, well, that's not fair. Look at me. I've been doing the right thing. I've been doing the right thing. I've been biting my teeth. I've been gritting my teeth. I've been doing the right thing. And Jesus says, yes, and that's wonderful. But there's more rejoicing for the one that comes back. Rejoice with him. Don't build your case. We find later in Luke 15 of the older brother of the prodigal son that said, oh, I am jealous. I can't believe. But we look now at the one sheep that the shepherd found and returned. Rejoice with me. Do we rejoice or do we say, well, they're going to go do it again. You know, I'm glad they're sober now, but you know their history. I'm glad they stopped now, but you know that temptation. It's overwhelming. We, or do we rejoice with him? We rejoice with him. There's joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God. Rejoice with him over the one that has returned. Don't say, oh, yeah, I'm happy now, but how long will it last? I'm happy now, but you know, you every six months, or you know. Rejoice, because there's joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God more than the 99 that are safe and secure in the arms of God. What a great reminder. What a great reminder of our God's faithfulness. What a reminder that that one that seems so far away from God, we can go after him. I uh, do not have the words on the screen. I probably should have done that, but I'm reminded of this hymn. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he took me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day glorious day that will be. There will be no sorrows there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness and no more pain, no more parting over there, but forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. You, I, that one lost sheep that Jesus came and saved. Those now that he's using us 
to share his love with others. What a day that will be when we will be together, together in heaven. Because Jesus left the 99, even using us to reach that one that was lost. We pray. We thank God for his goodness. Oh, Jesus, what a day that will be when we shall see you. Oh, God, we say thank you. Amen. God is so good, and he's so faithful all the time, in every season, no matter what you're going through. He is good, and he deserves our praise and our worship. For some of you today, probably is a big sacrifice to lift your eyes to him and to sing this because there's so much challenge and turmoil going on in your life. My friends, that's exactly when you need to lift your eyes and when you need to raise your song of praise and declare the goodness of God. So join us. Let's declare the goodness of God together today. You Lord, sing it to Him. Oh, Your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in Your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes.
again your goodness. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. You believe that? Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Sing it to him today. Declare his faithfulness. All my life you have been faithful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All my life you have been so, so goodness of God. I will see.